Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 196th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 655th overall episode of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, December 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Well, tonight we'll be talking a lot about the Maui slash Asheville Invitational, and I know Coach has done yeoman's work to host all three postgame shows leading up to tonight, but I have not had the chance to get on there at all because of the afternoon tip times. But uh, for me, it was really the bounce-back performance against Stanford on Wednesday. Uh, the, the the performance against Texas, which I'm sure we'll talk about, which had Ryan ready to basically blow everything up and start over based on a, a number of texts that we received from him during the game. But uh, it, it was really important to me to see how this team would bounce back from that, that performance, uh, which was uh, incredibly terrible. Uh, there's really no two ways about it. Uh, there, there were few, if any, bright spots. But to come back from that against a tournament caliber team without Al Durham, I, I thought showed a lot about this team. And, and perhaps that's recency bias and wanting to uh, see the best for the team. But you had TJD with just a, a phenomenal performance. They really focused on feeding him early. He was a lot more assertive and aggressive going to the rim than he was against Texas. And that was a great sign. You had Race and Armand really step up, uh, particularly with Al sidelined. And you walk out of there 2-1, and one, which I think everybody, without knowing the results, if you said you walk out of that situation 2-1 and one with a couple solid wins on your NCAA resume, I think everybody would feel pretty good about it. Uh, we can look at a defense that, that I thought performed well in all three games, really performed well enough against Texas for most of the game uh, to be able to put your, themselves in a position to win. And so I think there are some things to build on. Now, there are some questions, and that's something that we'll talk about. But for me, the banner moment was the way the team regrouped uh, on a short turnaround, playing the third game in three days uh, without your senior guard uh, off of a really bad performance. And they uh, they came out and took care of business uh, in convincing fashion against Stanford by the time it was all said and done. So for me, that was this week's banner moment and hopefully is a sign of good things to come for this team as we move forward. All right. Now, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, and I cannot. There we are. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's time. Sony time. Coach, I'm tempted to ask you what you're going to do with yourself on Friday when there's no postgame show and no assembly call radio, but uh, I'll, I'll let you perhaps take this in a different direction with maybe your uh, overall impressions of the, the sum total of the three games in Maui, uh, how much you hate all of us for not being able to be on the shows regularly and forcing you to host all three days, uh, which, whatever way you want to go. Uh, I think my wife might find me sitting down here in a man cave talking to myself uh, <laughs> into the microphone uh, just out of habit, but um Overall, uh, a, a rather acceptable week for Indiana basketball. The the, the loss to Texas uh, was was not very good, but the thing that I'm going to hang um, my my hat on is the defense. I think the defense all year has been uh, pretty solid. 
there's always probably things that need to be better defensively as well. A few guys are getting driven and missing some some ball screen assignments. But I love the intensity. I love the active hands. I love the ability to block shots at the rim. Race Thompson has been a, a really uh, outstanding uh, performer uh, defensively as well as what he's brought to the team offensively. And the second thing, guys, is that this team seems you know bought in, uh, bought into what they're trying to do, bought into each other. Uh, and when you know Trace Jackson Davis, uh, in response to uh, Coach saying that he got lit up after the Texas game, asked who that was, and he responded, it was my teammates who uh, had me and lifted me up. And so I don't know if they really got into him, but they, they kind of encouraged him, and he responded. And, and you mentioned that in, in the banner moments. So this is a team that I think has a better chance of overcoming adversity. It needs to. It needs to win on the road. It needs to not have those long droughts. It's kind of scary after the Texas game that we might see more of the same, uh, but the response has me feeling a lot better that maybe uh, the down moments with, with this club uh, can be a lot less uh, given the, the makeup and the, the heart and, uh, of these guys. So that's where I stand after a week in Maui, and, and Indiana's 3-1 and one, uh, and played three uh, you know good opponents uh, on their schedule, not a bunch of uh, cupcakes. So I'm pretty pleased. Uh, obviously some areas of improvement, but pretty pleased. And to my right. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger He's got all the well, Let me quickly add just one thing about this Dude just interrupted his own jingle Ryan, you, you clearly experienced a, a roller coaster of emotions and feelings about this team Over the course of the, of the three days Again, based, based solely on, on the, the text exchanges that we had uh, so where do you, where do you come down or, or what is your rant this week? Do you want to go back in on the relive your thoughts after the Texas game or do you want to go well, a different I, direction? I would say, I mean, the Texas game was a disaster. It was a disaster. And, and again, as, as I, my philosophy has been since we started this show, you know, it's not about the bad performance. It's about how you respond to it because unless it's your last game of the year, it doesn't matter what happened the night before, you know? And, and, and I do think on a short turnaround, they completely outclass Stanford, and Stanford has some really good players on it. They got a couple of NBA guys, and they're very talented. Zaire Williams is a legit, fantastic freshman, and Armand Franklin shut him down for four and played forty minutes and and shut Williams down, made him a non-factor. They fouled Williams out. He was one of ten from the field. I mean, that's a legit top-tier recruit who they dominated. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis, after I thought two bad games to start the, you know, given his level uh, of ability, two bad games to start the tournament came out and looked like a star in the third game against Stanford. And so, yeah, you feel better about that because the thing was you, you go play that Providence game and there were issues, but you feel like they overcame them and, and played very well against Stanford. Nothing worked. The defense was tough. They held Stanford to a lower shooting percentage, you know, than, than, you would expect the game team to win the game at, but offensively they were just a disaster. Then you come back against Stanford and you get back to what this team's heart is, which is pounding it on the inside, getting Trace Jackson Davis to be aggressive instead of, and we talked about it on the post game show yesterday. Instead of fading away, he's going through players. Uh, Race Thompson too, I thought put uh, his best foot forward in in the Stanford game, and then you saw a guy like Armand Franklin really step up uh, on both ends of the floor. And play a really good game. His three-point shot still needs a lot of work. Uh, we can talk about that a little later. But I thought that he played very well. I thought the freshman had a had back-to-back rough games. But I thought everybody else really stepped up 
against Stanford in little ways here, there, wherever, whether it was Jerome Hunter getting a couple buckets in close when they needed them or Rob Finnessy knocking down a few clutch threes that we need to see more of, you know, everybody kind of contributed of the veterans, at least contributed to that win. And of course, Trace Jackson Davis played like an all American and, Indiana, quite frankly, given the backcourt situation right now and how much freshmen are playing and the fact that we don't know when Al Durham's going to be back, the fact that we don't know when Joey Brunk's going to be back, Trace jackson Dave is going to need to perform at that level for a while for this team until everybody gets into position. So he needs to use that as a jumping-off point, not a one-off. And, and so that's what we need to see moving forward, especially against good competition that's coming up pretty quickly. All right. Well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. Uh, as you might suspect, we'll be talking a lot about Maui, uh, both our takeaways from that, as well as some big questions that are facing Archie Miller uh, as they leave uh, Maui slash Asheville. And then we'll hit your questions in the final segment, as we always do. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to all that, I want to tell you about a new sponsor who's joining us here on the Assembly Call. It's Superior Insulation, a.k.a. Superior Insulators. And this sponsor relationship started like so many of our others have because the owner of the business, Brad, is a loyal listener to the show and a longtime IU fan and season ticket holder. So with winter here, but the coldest temps still to come, the timing is perfect to tell you about superior insulators and why you should consider giving them a call. What do the superior insulators do? They provide high-performance insulation and air barrier systems to the residential, commercial, and agricultural sectors. In other words, they help you live and work more comfortably by fixing drafty rooms, cold floors, and excess noise in your home or office. And they help you save money on your energy bills in the process. Yes, more comfort and more cost savings. That's a Race Thompson-level double-double right there. And just in case you're wondering about their track record, let me sum it up in one word. Excellence. That's right. The Superior Insulators did all the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy. Brad and his team also worked on the new football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings around campus. And best of all for you, they have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners. You'll get a $50 home field apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. They have four locations covering roughly the southern two-thirds of Indiana plus the northern part of Kentucky. Just tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your gift card. So visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. Then Brad and his team can help you create a healthier, quieter, and more energy-efficient home. That's insulators.com, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your $50 home field apparel gift card. All right, guys. So as we as we go and, and try to talk about takeaways from Maui, uh, I'll, I'll let you guys take this wherever you want. A couple of thoughts I had. You know, we heard a lot of talk in the offseason about how productive the offseasons for race and Armand were. Uh, I do feel like the games confirmed that for the most part. Again, Armand uh, you know, struggled with his outside shot a bit, but uh, showed a good mid-range game, really, really played well uh, in the game against Stanford. Uh, you saw the freshman get some inconsistent minutes, but ones that will prove to be important as we look forward to the rest of the season from a developmental standpoint and being able to be thrown in pretty early in their careers against tough competition. And and you kind of walk away with there's two good games and, and one clunker. Uh, so you're not really sure what to what to make of the team. So so Ryan, I guess I'll, I'll throw this to you first. You, you know, do any of those stand out as a, a, a takeaway for you, or you know, what's your your real overarching thought? What do you think we know for sure about this team coming out of uh, of Maui? Maybe is a good way to put it. Well, I think IU could be a top fifteen defense. I think for sure they can. If you look at what they did this week. Now, look again, it's early for everybody. 
So even including IU, so maybe the offense isn't flowing the way it would if you had exhibition games and maybe two or three warmups before you went to Maui, or if you had, you know, your full off season program and all that, that's that way for everybody. I mean, we saw Virginia lose, we saw Villanova lose, like teams are just not in their normal flow that they would be to start the season. So I think that's kind of a factor. We don't know as much as we think we know about the teams IU played or the way IU is playing. Texas looked great. Maybe they just got off to a good start. And in a couple of weeks, they don't look great, you know, when everybody's caught up to them. So it, it really, we're kind of jumbled right now. What I would say, if we're taking what we saw for real, I think IU has a great defense. I think Armand Franklin has stepped up as a stopper, a really good defender. Uh, his offensive game looks much better. I hope that holds. Uh, what I also think is that these freshmen have a little bit to go. Uh, before they can really contribute against a top-level competition. Trey Galloway looked great against Tennessee Tech. He had some moments against Providence. But against the athleticism we saw against Texas and Stanford, he kind of looked out of place. Now, again, he was also playing games in back-to-back days, which he probably hasn't done. He's never done on a high level like this before. So I thought that defensively, Galloway, uh, I thought uh, Leal, and I thought Lander all got picked on. And successfully by Stanford. I thought Lander's defense got better as the game went along against Stanford, though. I thought he really started to step up, move his feet better, and kind of anticipate where the ball was going. Galloway, there were a couple times they cleared off the side of the floor and let his man just drive right by him. And Leo got beat a couple times on the drive as well. So, And they got lost in in switches and, and you know rotations and all that stuff. So the biggest thing for me is if you're going to have three and possibly four freshmen, including uh, uh, Jordan Geronimo, playing minutes you got to get them up to speed as fast as possible, whether that's extra practice time or whether that's giving them big minutes in games early on until we get to the heart of the Big Ten season. But they're going to contribute this year. They need to get caught up as fast as possible if they're going to, if they're going to contribute. Um, the other issue I think we have moving forward is Rob Finnessy. What are we going to get from him offensively? I think Rob is a great defensive player, but he is still it doesn't look like he has that much confidence in his offense. And that's a guy who can knock down open threes, and he sh- he showed that against Stanford, and he showed that against Providence that he can knock down open jumpers. So it's it's really I think it's the freshman and it's Rob Finnessy. So pretty much we're focusing on the backcourt, which I think we all knew was going to be the issue coming in this year. Yeah, I think the freshman piece, and I'm going to table the part about Rob because we're going to talk about that a lot uh, when we talk sure. Christian Lander. But I think the freshman it was it was good experience for them in that Texas really brought a level of physicality that they'll certainly need to be ready for in the Big Ten. And Stanford, I felt like, you know, you talked about clearing out a side or isolating two of them on a side. They really forced them to have to make decisions defensively in terms of where they needed to be. Uh, and they struggled with that at times. Now, there were times the veteran players uh, struggled with that as well. But I think it's a good, uh, you know, good, good experience to get for them. Unfortunately, to your point, they didn't get their feet wet in an exhibition game. I mean, the Tennessee Tech game was really it. Um, yeah, they're being thrown in into the terms fire. of that. But. You know, coach, so when we talk, you know, you look back at these games and, and you know, you had the, the task of saying, you know, after each one of them, what's your reaction to it? So kind of like I said, we had two good games, uh, one, one clunker. Where do you kind of put this team on the spectrum between those games? Do you think they're closer to the team that played well against Providence and Stanford for the most part or that really played poorly against Texas or, and, and kind of how far one way or the other do you lean? I think this team is better than I expected early on, uh, but it is a good team and not a great team, and it has a long ways to go before it competes against the top uh, echelon of the NCAA um, basketball world. Um, we saw that with Texas. 
Texas. Um, you know, Texas returned five starters, gets a, a five-star big man. They had really some experience and talent, and they just took it to us, and we took two steps backwards uh, and, and didn't go uh, back into attack mode. And so those are lessons that have to be learned, and they have to be learned quickly uh, in order to compete at the high levels against uh, the Michigan States, Illinois, that are at the top of Big Ten. And I think Indiana can get there. I'm not going to guarantee that they do because there's a lot of work in order to get there. But I think this is a good team, and I'm, I'm really happy um, with defense. And, and I'm just a defensive-minded coach because I think if the defense is consistent, you can be in games – uh, even when your offense is struggling. Now, I know we got blown out by Texas, but when you look back, if you hold Texas to 66 points, you should be in a game. Our offense was just really, really horrible in that game. Uh, there might be a game where we're below average offensively and we can sneak out 64, 65 points and we beat someone 65, 62 because of the defense. And, and I just, that's something that was missing from Indiana basketball for a long time, in my opinion, was that defensive mindset. That's what I came to like Indiana basketball with Coach Knight was great man to man defense and yes it's a little different the pack line versus uh the the denial uh of passes that bob knight did but it's defense and they're very very active so it's an enjoyable team to watch uh and i don't think you have the uh the the attitude the egos that that we've had in the past which is also enjoyable which allows me to um not accept a 22 point loss but it, it allows me as a fan and and as someone who supports Indiana to overcome that cuz I really like this I I like these guys even when they play bad and they played bad against Texas um I, I like these guys uh, quite a bit so I think we're good uh I think that's 6-7 seed and 6-7 in the Big 10 good right now with the potential if we can start shooting the basketball and getting the freshmen, like Ryan said, I couldn't agree more with what he said about the freshmen, getting them up to speed. We could go uh, good to better than good. I, I don't know if great is in our uh, possibilities this year, uh, but uh, I feel pretty good about this team. It's better than what I thought uh, with, with this amount of new people. Yeah, I'd just like to to add last. I think that these freshmen can contribute. I don't want it to get to get lost. I think that they, I think they're just lost. I think Trey Galloway can contribute. I just think that at times it's shown, oh yeah, he's a freshman because he played so well in that Tennessee Tech game. I think people got really excited. And then I think that in the Maui with the competition level and the athleticism jumped up a bit. You saw him get a little overwhelmed at times and maybe speed up a little bit too much at times. And you saw them from Christian Lander too. So I think it's just a matter of they got to get these guys, you know, comfortable. To where they can at least contribute, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes in games and be effective and not just, you know, eating minutes, but actually being effective. Yeah, I, I, I fall in line a lot with what coach said. I think you, what you're trying to figure out is have these games taught you anything about what you think you can expect on a night in and night out basis from this team? So we saw some inconsistent offensive performances from a number of guys, but I, I go back to a lot of what, what coach talked about was defensively there were lapses and they're going to be lapses every game. But for the most part, that's really something that they've brought to all four games uh, so far and three of those against major conference teams. So I think that part is, is certainly a positive and even being able to have the freshmen be a part of that, as you said, sometimes struggling, improving, you know, showing some improvement at, at various points during the game. And the other thing I really like was just, team seems to be pretty together. You saw a lot of guys, you know, up on the, up on the sidelines, uh, you know, rooting on one another. Coach talked about that too, with Trace kind of being able to have other guys pick them up. So I think that stuff bodes well in a, 
you know, in an odd year where it's just kind of like your team is who you have and the, the probably the more you only stay around them, the better, the, the better you may end up. Um, so they seem to genuinely like each other. And I think that is something that we may not have seen as much of uh, in recent seasons. So uh, I, I thought it was overall a, a good performance, probably a little bit better than I expected, even though record wise, I think two and one is what I was anticipating. But I think some of the, the aspects of how they got there were, were a bit better than uh, maybe I would have would have thought. Real quick on the on the freshmen sure. when they make mistakes, they rally fast. Uh, I, I remember uh, Trey Galloway uh, getting overhelping in the lane. He went to the right, and then his man was on the left, and they threw it back to the left, and it, he just would really run out real fast trying to close out. The guy hit a three. Lander gets caught on a ball screen change uh, a switch that he he stayed with the guy he should have switched. The guy's going up for a dunk, and he comes from behind and tries to block the shot, which I thought was clean, but got a foul. I'm seeing a lot of that, and, and again, you'd rather him not mess up in the first time, not overhelp in Trey's situation and switch properly in Lander's situation, but if you're going to mess up, don't hang your head up and give a wide-open three or a monster try to make it as difficult as possible for the opponent i'm seeing a lot of that from from the young guys when you know uh when they get beat except for leo when the one time that fast break came down he had he had no choice to spin it in quicksand on that fast break drive that was that was tough but he'll learn from that but i i like i like the way they try to keep in the fight and i've said this over and over again next play but keep in the fight and that's something the freshmen bring and and they can contribute that too and hopefully get up to speed and do things right um as soon as possible all right well we uh indiana exits Asheville with two important wins and but we still have a number of questions that we want to answer so what are the most urgent questions facing archie miller we'll discuss that next stick with us Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Hi, this is Jawan Morgan. What's the only thing better than getting IU's first triple-double in 47 years? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast, or watch those replays and see all the between segment banter as we had during the the uh, the between the last segment, uh, got into some good stuff about Jerome Hunter in the the front court. Uh, then you can check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com/assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And so we've talked about Maui, but I think there's there's still some questions that are are there coming out of it. And to me, and I think to Jared, who who wrote a post about this in our our community today, uh, the the big question is really how to handle Christian Lander, which is really part of an overall point guard question, and and what Archie needs to do with that position uh, as we move forward. I think Rob. Uh, has shown some good ability to knock down threes off the catch. 
he has seemed to be reluctant to to really be aggressive uh, at times. And you know, I think Jared talked about he was you know, more probing than attacking. Um, and and so he's been kind of up and down, I guess, and not really what maybe you would have expected from him to begin year three. Some positives, but from a running a team and and you know really playing downhill standpoint hasn't hasn't really shown that a whole lot. And then you've got Lander, who's still really raw, shown some in-game improvement in various facets of the game. You can tell um, that there's something special about him. It's just a matter of how you, you know, rein that in without reining it in too much and, and getting him to play and, and make you know make smart decisions. I think a lot of his is just decision making of when to take shots, what shots to take, um, different things like that. And so I think we all knew there would be a development curve there. It's a kid who's supposed to be in high school right now. So you know that that's there. It's just a question of how best to, you know, shepherd him along and, and get him to where you need to be. So, Coach, I'll throw this one to you first. How how would you handle Lander's development, and, and and how would you put that in the context of where you think this team needs to go from a point guard standpoint overall? Uh, my first thought is Lander needs to play more uh, and play through his mistakes and, and get more opportunity. That's what I would suggest if I were on the staff that uh, you're going to have to live with some of the defensive deficiencies to get him up to speed def- defensively, but offensively, he I think he's just a special talent. I think he plays with a, a speed that we don't have, and I think for Indiana to be uh, the best Indiana club they can be, we need uh, Lander to uh, contribute and move up the minutes um, to 20, 22, 24 uh, at, at some point. So then the question is, um, you know, how do you do that? Well, every coach has their their pecking order of skills, and obviously Archie is a defensive minded coach. First, you got to prove to him you can play defense at the at the Big Ten or the NCAA level before you can really get a, a lot of opportunity offensively. And, and you know, every coach has their philosophy, and, and I, I'll just say hats off to that, and and hope that you win with that. Uh, but I think Lander's a special kid, and yes, he reclassified, and he's young, uh, but he's a five star talent, and I think. Um, Coaches need to get their best talent on the floor as much as possible. And and as far as his three-point shooting goes, I, maybe um, three that I can think of were really maybe quick shots in a shot clock or poor decisions. A lot of them were, were shots that I would expect a good five-star guard to take. He's just missing. And I don't think you get mad at misses if they're good shots. I think you get mad at if it's, you know, 10 seconds in the shot clock and you haven't given TJD a look. There was one, I think, in Stanford where they were trying to run something – um, and he got the ball to one wing, and he reversed it back to him the top, and he just took a shot. That's a high school shot. I think I said that on the show. You know, when you're the best player, you make one pass, you get it back, you're going to shoot it because uh, you might not get it back again. But um, So he's got to learn those things, shot selection. But I think you coach him hard. Good players like to be coached hard, and I think this team appreciates Archie. They wouldn't come here. And, and Archie's a, a, Archie. He's named after Archie Bunker. He's not Tom Crean clapping on the sideline, going to be Mr. Positive. You knew that when you were coming to play for him. The guy we love, Coach Knight, I don't see him being too positive and building confidence for shooters. He got out there and told people what to do. And Mick Cronin, uh, you got to beep out every other word of practice and Underwood. And I mean, there's some tough dudes that coach in the college game and Izzo uh, at at timeouts on on Henry. Uh, I I think he wants to be coached hard, but you do it when building trust off the court. You got to build a proper relationship in order to coach someone hard. You got to build proper relationship that comes behind the scenes and we don't see it to where the players trust you. And it's not just an ego thing uh, from you on the sideline. Uh, And I don't think a coach can give confidence. I think a coach can take away what natural confidence is there. 
uh, by benching uh, for bad shots or doing things like that. But if coaches could give confidence, every player would be a 55% three-point shooter. Uh, you, you either shoot or you suck at shooting. Um, you know, uh, I can't make you a good shooter without you getting in the gym. Um, but I, I, coaches need to be aware that their body language and, and, and if you pull a kid after every mistake, that stuff can pull out the confidence that has been demonstrated when you make shots. And I think Lander plays with confidence. I mean, he just comes off those screens, he takes a shot, and he doesn't really care right now. And, and that's a good thing. Uh, I think Rob needs a little bit of that, um, to be honest. So play Lander more, coach him hard, hug him off the court, and make sure that he's, uh, as a young kid, feeling good about himself. Uh, and, and then let's see where he, he is in a month. Yeah, I think that with Lander, if you look at the numbers right now, he's 2 of 13 from 3 and 3 of 18 from the field. So most of his shots are coming from 3. That's not where Christian Lander is going to live when he has the confidence to attack college defenses. He's a guy who will get his money at the rim and in close. And his only other basket other than the two made threes was a pull-up from about 15 feet. And so he's not getting to the rim yet. And you wouldn't expect that. He should be in high school, and he's facing he's faced three really good teams in a row with some athleticism. He doesn't have the confidence yet to beat these guys. He'll get there. And he certainly has the ability to do that. It's about you know him believing that he can do it. The two of thirteen from three. What I've seen is I've seen a young kid rushing, and and you know his feet aren't necessarily set. His feet are not pointed at the basket necessarily. And he's just these again. These are things he did in high school, and he should still be in high school. So it's gonna take time. People have to have patience, and Archie and the staff have to have patience. When you brought this kid in early, you knew to expect this. Archie Miller's not stupid. He knows. But the one thing I've seen from him. 14.3 minutes per game, one turnover averaging per game. He's not turning the ball over. He's be- playing better defense. He's going to he's gonna overplay on defense sometimes and get beat back door. That's what young players do. That's what all the freshmen are going to have happen. But Lander is a supremely talented guy who wants to push the pace. He's good at post entry. He's been good at finding players and moving the ball. He just needs to get the confidence to the next level. And the other thing is, like any freshman, as I said, he's rushing. Yeah, and you're not used to playing guys that are this big, this athletic, or this fast. And so when you get the ball and you have an open look, you want to get it off really fast because you're worried a guy's going to close out and block your shot or close out and you're going to have to move the ball along. So I think just it's those things. It's typical freshman stuff, rushing shots, not having the confidence to attack, not feeling you're physical enough to, to battle in the paint. And he may not be yet. But we'll see as this season develops. I think it's just a matter of getting minutes, building confidence. He's just got to get one drive where he goes in and over and around a guy and makes it, and I think he'll have the confidence to drive. He's just got to have one three he perfectly catches and steps into and nails it, and he'll have the confidence to do that. He's got one alley-oop he's going to throw to somebody, and then he'll have the confidence to do that. So it's just a matter of getting these guys confidence. I think a guy like Leal, he's got to see a three go down. I think that Galloway has got to know that in traffic, because he looks great on the break, but in traffic, he can lay the ball in, you know, around a couple guys and have it go in. And, and that'll give him the confidence to do that. So it's just all about these guys building confidence. And again, we're on a short leash here, a short run here. They have not had the buildup that a normal freshman class gets. And so you're starting to see they're having to work it out in real time in games that IU probably needs to win, you know, for their later season hopes. So they're being thrust in in situations and it's frustrating when it's a tight game or when you're playing bad against Texas and these guys screw up, it's frustrating. But at the same time, that's just the nature of this season. Yeah. I think one of the shots he really got his feet set well on was there was a, a play. Tony Adrani did it in his, um, uh, in his, the, the show that he's been doing about the, uh, uh, 
about uh, giving clips from each game, the name of which is totally escaping me at the moment. Um, but, you know, there was a nice reversal from race, and he's standing there in the corner with his feet set ready to go. He knocked it down. That was a big shot at that point in the game. So um, I, I think I think he'll get there, uh, certainly. And I, I'm more with you guys. you got to let him play and try to let him figure it out. I don't think he's making just straight-up egregious mistakes now to the point where you think that he wouldn't figure no. it out. And most um, of those shots, as, as Coach said, were good shots off reversals, or he even dribbled into them. And there was room to shoot. He just rushed it. You know, he had the one where he got the kick out. You pointed out he shot it from like 25 feet or something, you know, or 23 feet and fired it up. And that was a bad shot early in the shot. clock. Yeah. So, so the, the other element to this is Rob, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think we can, there's, I want to make sure we hit the three point shooting question, but coach, I'm going to give you a minute to play our armchair psychologist or whatever you want to call it. So, so with Rob, there are good things that he does. He's a really good defender. He's a great catch and shoot guy. You know, we've talked about that a number of times. So how do you, how do you handle him uh, as a guy who's been there during that process and try to find ways to better accentuate the things that he does well, keeping him engaged during this time when you're also committing yourself to, to give Lander more minutes? I realize yeah, that's a tough well, question to say, like, hey, take a minute and answer this, but no, but, but here you go. You you instruct him on what you need, and then you hold him accountable um, for, for those things. And what you need for him is to be more aggressive with the ball in transition and coming off the pick and roll, looking for a shot, and you need him to be off the ball ready to shoot the three. And, you know, in high school, I don't know if they run people a lot in college, but we I used to run guys who didn't shoot who had the skill. We need you to shoot, to what you know, eight times a game, son, and you're not shooting. So you're going to run for not making the aggressive choice. He's just playing. When sometimes when you have buy-in guys, um, they they are too much wanting to please the coach, and they do what the coach says instead of taking advantage of what's there. And that's what I see with Rob. He's too conservative. So I try really hard to talk to him, show him in film areas where he can be more aggressive. We need a more aggressive Rob shooting and attacking and maintaining his defense. So it's just about bringing them along. And some kids are hard, hard, hard to get that through just because they're decent kids and want to listen to you and don't want to turn the ball over and, and don't want to make a mistake. And, and as a coach, you got to find multiple ways to, to get him to loosen up. All right. So the other big question is around three point shooting. Uh, so if you look at this and uh, I think Joel sent this in, so as a team, IU is 17 of 58, which is 29.3%, which is enough to make everybody feel uncomfortable, uh, particularly after the last few seasons. But then you take a step back and you look at who's taking those shots. So Galloway, Lander, and Leal uh, are three of 22 combined, so 13.6%. Those three guys are taking almost almost 38% of IU's total three-point attempts. If you take them out, uh, then IU is 14 of 36, 38.8%. Um, you obviously can't take those out because there's, <laughs> because those count. Um, but, but Ryan, as you look at the, you know, kind of shot distribution of who's taking these threes, you know, where in the flow of the game they're being taken, uh, you know, how, how does those statistics strike you? Is it more of those guys need to take, those guys are taking bad shots or the other guys are passing up good shots that may lead to to the freshman taking those shots? Where, where do you come down on what, what the cause and effect is there? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I, you know, I think that the freshmen are all hurrying their shots. I think that that's, that's the big thing. I saw uh Leal on his one, three attempt. His form was actually really good. He just faded away a little bit and it came up short. He jumped backwards instead of jumping forwards. And again, guys closing out to you, 
and you're not that confident, what's your reaction? You're going to jump a little backwards. You're not going to jump into your shot and, and confidently. Um, but I think a lot of those misses are, are, are Lander, quite frankly. And, and again, I just think he's rushing. I do think that the veterans need to take more shots. And, and I do think Rob, first of all, I think that they also have to run some sets for Rob to get some catch and shoot opportunities to build his confidence, run some pin down screens, get him going to the corner and, and find him open. I, I know they're doing some of that, but I think they need to run plays maybe out of a timeout specifically to get Rob with his feet set, catching and shooting. Um, Jerome Hunter, as we talked about, I think that he needs to feel confident in, in pulling the trigger. That's why he's on the floor. Uh, and, and yeah, Armand Franklin is a guy who I, I think he steps one foot inside the three-point line and his shot looks great. His mid-range jumper looks great. You put him beyond the three-point line and he drops his elbow and puts the ball on his shoulder almost like Jordan Hall's. And it's just a mental block that some guys have that when you step beyond the three-point line, you automatically think you need to put more force behind the shot and more arm into it. And it's just a mental block that he has to get over because his regular shot looks good. But when he steps behind the three-point line, he puts it off to the side sometimes. Sometimes the one he made earlier in the year was actually, uh, I think it was only one, was lined up pretty well. But a couple times against uh, Stanford, he fired shots and he dropped it to the side of his head. And that's just not where he shoots from where he's successful. So some of that stuff needs to be worked out with practice and use and all of that stuff. But yeah, the veterans are the ones who can shoot. I mean, we know Al can shoot. Al's obviously not, it wasn't in there yesterday, but these guys need to shoot more and they need to make shots. And, and it's showing in the numbers, they're doing okay so far. And I think that Rob needs to lead the charge. I think Jerome needs to be there. And I think Armand needs to get in the gym and, and work on not being freaked out by stepping behind the line. So coach, you know, we've seen a lot of changes to what IE's doing offensively, a lot more ball screens, um, different things like that. So this is again trying to put you inside of somebody else's head. But you know, based on the based on the changes that you've seen them make offensively, do you feel like this is an offense that's designing itself in a way to create three point shooting opportunities? Or do we still feel like that may not really be a big part of the uh of of the arsenal or at least of what they're trying to get out of the stuff that they're running? Well, you know, it's interesting when you have someone like Trace Jackson and now Race Thompson playing, you you want a lot of shots coming from those guys. Um, so, you know, that's going to limit your, your threes. I was looking at the three-point stats across the nation. A lot of teams in four games have 80, 90 three-point attempts up. Indiana only has 58. So you, you might say that, uh, you know, we need we, we need more threes. I can understand that. I think we just need the right guys shooting the threes or we need the guys like Lander who – can shoot threes to make threes. Um, but what the, the pick and roll is designed to do is to get teams in a disadvantage, to get your offense in four-on-three situations. Uh, and sometimes that means the post is going to be open for a move. Uh, sometimes that means they're going to help in and you kick to a shooter. Uh, so that all of that ball screen is, is really designed, whether it's a ball screen at top or a ball screen on the wing, is to try to force a hedge, force the trap, and then or a switching situation to get an advantage. Uh, but it can be both an advantage inside and, and outside. It just depends on how the defense are, are, are going to going to be playing. But it should open up some three point shots. But from a scheme, you, you know, I, I don't want too many possessions without Trace touching it, and now I don't want too many possessions without Race touching it. So, you know, that's something that I think needs to be looked at as well. Um, you know, with the offense. Um, and some of the ball screens, if they start going under, then Rob and Christian need to just shoot over the screen. You know, if, if someone guards the ball screen is under, uh, but it's it's designed. Um, we, we're running a lot of it at, at Western right now, and all we're trying to do is is um, get 
people to trap us. And we believe in our kids so much that, you know, we'll take a wide open three or we'll take a dump down to the post. Uh, we'll take whatever you want, but we believe our kids are really going to outscore people. And our offensive numbers are up 10 points a game already early. Um, and we haven't shot the ball well. So, um, that, that has me encouraged with this new offense that, that it's going to be okay, but shooting is still, still obviously got to make the shots. All right, Ryan. So, last uh, million dollar question here: How do you how how do we get the version of TJD that uh, that showed up on Wednesday afternoon in Asheville to uh, to be a, a regular participant in games? You know, like you said at the beginning, I, I think the scoring numbers aside, he he didn't he didn't play as well nearly as well as he's capable of in the first two games, yeah. and the third game was a different story. So. Uh, we got another minute or so here. I mean, what what are your you know what are your thoughts on how we uh, how we ensure that guy shows up uh, from here going forward? I don't know. I think you just need to show him video of that game and get him realizing, hey, dude, you're that guy, that guy right there that's scoring 31 points. That that's you. You can do that on a near nightly basis. He is going to be more talented than 90 95 percent of the guys he goes up against this year. And if he wants to be an All American, if he wants to be a draft pick, that's the guy he's got to be. And he's got to continue to do it over the length of the season. One game isn't going to get you drafted. And one game isn't going to make you an All-American. He's got to consistently show up like that. And we saw last year a couple games. You know, you forget it because you think back to him having such a big impact as a freshman. We saw it last year where he showed up and just was fading away instead of going through guys. He needs That needs to be a freshman year thing only. He needs to fight through contact. He needs to take that contact personally and try and be aggressive and go at the rim and attack the rim the way he did against Stanford. He was attacking the rim. He wasn't just shooting layups. You know what I mean? He was going for it. And, and that's what we need out of him every single game this year, quite frankly. There's so much riding on him. That's a lot of pressure to put on a sophomore, but that's just the way it is. That's what you accept when you're that high a recruit and when you're you have aspirations on the next level. All right. Well, coming up in our third segment, we'll answer your questions, including one about whether Archie should stick with a shorter rotation and what that rotation might look like for the guards. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. This is Nick Zeisloft. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. All right. Thank you, Nick. And I'm Andy Bottoms here with Coach Brian Tonsoni. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason, and after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Now time for our mailbag. All questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com community. And the first question is uh, from Jeff. 
Uh, would you agree that we should shorten the rotation to eight to nine players going forward like we did in the Stanford game? I think players benefit from longer runs on the floor instead of Archie's system of managing minutes. I think we should, and we did in the Stanford game, and it worked. Felt that the team played better as a whole. Uh, Ryan, I'll let you take this one first. What are your thoughts on the rotation? Uh, injuries maybe shortening the ro- injuries yeah. played a factor in uh, in shortening the rotation on their own, uh, but just general thoughts on on that and and going with the sh- uh, lesser number of guys. I think that you do that towards the end of the season. I think that you still need to figure out what you're going to get from these guys. I think you know you'll see Anthony Leo play a little less when Jerome or when uh, Al comes back. Um, I think that some other guys' minutes may be eaten into when Joey comes back. But I do think we're going to play a lot of guys, especially maybe through the beginning of January. You got to remember, again, guys are still building up their legs. I mean, I can't say this enough. It's a weird season where guys playing 30 minutes a night, that may not be sustainable for the first couple months. I mean, you saw it this week in this tournament, but that may not be sustainable long term. And so, you know, Armand Franklin played 40 minutes against Stanford. Do I think Archie wanted to do that? No, absolutely not. He wanted Al Durham to be in there and have be able to mix some guys in and maybe have, you know, Franklin play 25, 30 max. And so I think that, again, it's just going to be the way we feel the way. It's hard to give an answer on how much, because it's not a normal season. You're not comparing this to last year because it's different. And uh, But I do think the bench is going to get longer as guys get healthy and they're going to have to try and see what they've got from some of these guys. And some of these guys will fall out of the rotation. You know, if Anthony Leo continues to play the way he did yesterday defensively, he's going to fall out of the rotation. They're probably going to redshirt him and, and look to see if they can build him up defensively and you know offensively as well uh, during the season. But right now he's getting a shot to prove himself. Coach. Yeah, I, I think for me, an eight or nine man rotation is ideal because I do think you need longer run on the court to get in your groove playing with different people. Uh, but I do see that all 11 will get shots to play, especially in the next three games in, in the uh, non-conference. And then as the conference season comes and, and you need to win some games, I, I, I do believe Archie will cut it down to what number. Um, there's some obvious people. You could see Geronimo and Leo getting two minutes, three minutes here as needed, uh, and the other eight or nine fitting into a more normal rotation. Uh, I just um, I just believe that uh, you get into a better feel when you play more minutes or pl- uh, longer stretches of time, and, and I think uh, that's obvious that it'll happen at the end of the year when it's, it's tournament time, but I think that'll start happening somewhere at the beginning of, of Big Ten. Uh, season and I just think it's best to to get a, a eight to nine man rotation and, and roll with it. Yeah, just real uh, quick. Wait, by the way, I just want to say something. Uh, Leo doesn't have to redshirt this year. That rule, uh, right? It's, it's, there's a rule where everybody can can take an extra year. So apologies for that. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Real quick for me, I I think it will eventually shorten. I, I think Coach mentioned Geronimo and Leo seem the most likely absent injury to to be the ones that would fall out, which would put yet nine. Um, but I do like what Archie's done, and I think this led to a little bit of that shorter rotation yesterday in addition to the injuries, was he, you've seen him ride with lineups that are playing well. I, I did find myself in the second half look up and be like, man, Leal's been out there for a long time. Um, but I felt like he thought that lineup was doing well. I think you saw that with Race playing 35 minutes, Armand playing 40 minutes. Again, these are not things you're setting out to do in your, your plan of how you're going to allocate minutes. But I do like that it's not so regimented that if you see a group of guys get into a little bit of a groove, you feel like you got to make a change just to manage minutes. So I think that's, again, I, I 
I, I think charting lineups during the Korean era may have scarred me from ever wanting to do that again, but it might be a, a good exercise for somebody else to do uh, in the Archie era just to see kind of if that's something that's changed a little bit. But uh, next question is from David. Is there a, a is there more defensive switching going on? Defense looks different this year. Uh, Coach, I'll, I'll let you hit that one first. I, I, there's definitely more switching going on um, than we've seen, but what, what other defensive adjustments uh, have stood out to yeah, you so far? Um the switching, they're switching uh, some ball screens, so there's some different ball screen coverages. They're a little more flat in their ball screen coverage instead of the high hedge all the way back to half court. They're doing a good job of tagging the ball screen, uh, help, and then re- recovering. Um, but they're switching off the ball, too. I thought we saw that in the IU film room from Coach Adragna. Um they're, they're switching some exchanges. They're switching some down screens and flare screens, and they're doing it on similars. Uh, and, and when Hunter is in, they're doing four-way switches, uh, everyone except Trace Jackson Davis. And that can really disrupt um, uh, an opponent's offense. So that's a little more aggressive inside the pack line. And, and uh, some, some programs run pack line no switch. Some programs run pack line with a lot of switching. And it looks like Archie's le- leaning that way with more perimeter-oriented. I think that is a good adjustment because without that full-out denial, that's a way to get some loose balls, some deflections, some steals. And I think we're already seeing that. Yeah, I think the the switching has worked really well. I think it's worked very well in the perimeter. Uh, and I also think that their hedge recovery defense has been fantastic compared to last year. I mean, we saw some problems with that. Even when it wasn't Joey Bronk and it was Trace Jackson Davis, you'd see some problems here and there. I think it's been great. I think it's been fantastic, and I'm really impressed with how, they, how they've worked to alter the system to make it work with the personnel. Yeah, I would agree. I think it'll be interesting to see how opponents start to handle that. Who do they try to switch to get into some different situations? I think they had success, you know, kind of clearing aside and doing some ball screen stuff. And uh, it Stanford did, but I think that was a lot of you know who they were doing it against that they really focused on doing that against the freshmen. But uh, I I just like as much as anything to have seen there be adjustments. I think we thought you know, everybody as we watched these games last year talking about. Um, you know, how they're hedging ball screens and things like that. It's like it took so long before anything really got done about it. So, you know, using the offseason to maybe install some different things and some different wrinkles uh, will be a uh, will be a positive for sure. Um, Alex asks, is there enough of a sample size of four completed games to make assumptions about the offense and defensive improvements of this team? Um, Ryan, I'll throw this one to you with the, the caveat that we only got about 30 seconds. But, you know, do you feel like, you know, enough – so far, or how many game, more games do you want to see before you can maybe make some determinations of offensive or defensive improvement? Probably like three games. I mean, you kind of have to see how this team responds to some better games. I'd like to see him play a Big Ten game before I you know, really make a decision. Again, weird year, tough to determine just after, after four games, I think. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, I think a little bit more. The defense, I feel more confident in the offense, and I think the offense for is sure. really where you're looking for improvements and probably not at a point yet where we can uh, we can make uh, make a determination one way or another. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Well, that will do it for this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday, no, Wednesday night after the Florida State game. Until then, take it from me, Freddie Max Wayne Jr. Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and man, go up and dunk the ball. Go Hoosers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five.